immigrants do more than help us win our wars or set up cleaning shops or ethnic restaurants. Stephen Ambrose. Chapter 12. If you need to extend your B-1 stay in the U.S., during all the years of travel to the United States, we only found out in 2020 that we had the legal ability to request an extension on our lawful status. Before the pandemic, we took for granted Canadians' privilege to travel to the U.S., do business for six months, and then exit the country for the next six months. We repeatedly did this for four years before 2020 and three years before that when we were vacationing as snowbirds here in the wintertime. But I have to say that if it weren't for the pandemic, we would not have seen the day and night difference in freedoms, including business freedoms people have in the United States overall compared to Canada. When we entered the U.S. at the end of January 2020, uh, six weeks before the nationwide shutdown, we thought during those six months we were going to apply for an E2 visa and continue living our life here in the U.S. But life and society had different plans in mind and everything got pushed back by at least a year or two. We didn't know about the USCIS being open during the shutdowns until the end of May. And by the time we wanted to apply for the E2 visa, we were fortunate enough to find additional information about the rules and provisions the USCIS has for dealing with people who may want to change status, yet they're about to run out of their current status. Still newbies after five years. I would be lying if I told you that we have been through so much immigration-wise that we know everything there is to know. We are learning new things almost daily. We know a lot, but we're still learning. Everything I wrote in this book from the beginning that has to do with the journey to an E2 entrepreneurial visa, we learned step-by-step, stretched out over almost a decade, especially in these last five, six years. And I wanted you to know that if you got this far, that I might as well remind you of that fact. So that is a driving factor behind this book. It's meant to front load you with knowledge so you feel as if you can put together in your mind, like a puzzle, a big picture view of what the process would look like. But one of the last things that we learned that benefited us tremendously in 2020 and 2021 was finding out that Canadians have the legal privilege to extend their lawful status here in the U.S. once inside the country. As I said above, we found this out by mistake when we realized we were running out of time during the first six months of our 2020 stay, so we didn't know what to do except call the USCIS. This was back when we thought we could do everything ourselves and piece together information we found scattered from research across the Internet because we made the mistake of not hiring a lawyer to consult with. A second chance in 2020. We were a few weeks away from our six-month lawful status expiring, so we called the USCIS to see if we could do anything to speed up the application process. After a warm Southern California early summer hike, we made that early morning call, which yielded more answers that we could hope for. These answers made us more confident with the business immigration system in this country, and they also made us fall more in love with the idea of second chances. Here's what I mean. The immigration system here, regardless of what you see in the media, is extremely friendly to people who attempt to do everything legally and by the book. One key piece of information that I tell every single Canadian about who is willing to start or invest in a business in the U.S. is the concept of premium processing your visa application by simply paying a little bit extra. I'm sure you have heard stories about the processing time at the U.S. Toronto Consulate, which could take up to a year. Now that has changed. It's a lot less. Now they're somewhere between two and three months as of early 2023 when I'm recording this book. 
and they'll probably stay there unless we have another pandemic. However, when you are inside the United States, if you choose to apply for an E2 visa without spending extra to have your application processed and receive a response in 14 days, you will wait four to six months and sometimes longer for that initial response. If you enter the country on a six-month stay, it's nearly impossible to apply for an E2 visa without premium processing. The reason being, when you apply for a change of status, as it's called, from a B1 to an E2 visa, if you exit the country or your visa gets processed after those first six months, especially if you exit the country, it gets automatically denied because by the time it arrives on their desk for processing, you no longer have lawful status if you left the country. In the Canadian American Dream Program, I have put together entire explainer videos to show to show you how to navigate this whole process and it's well worth it. And, uh, I, I hope that you, you make that investment, especially before you commit to travel to the U S this is why I decided not to insert any detailed information in this book about the actual E2 application process. There's just so much to be said that a book cannot cover. Still, I do feel as we come towards the end of this book that By the time you finish reading it or listening to it, you have a basic understanding of how to, at the very least, leave Canada and travel to the United States in a realistic time frame. Remember the B1? In this way, you can see yourself taking action rather than just thinking about it, or worse, protesting in the streets during a time when the Canadian government can care less about what you want. This chapter is about you discovering that your 180-day countdown from the moment you arrive in the U.S. can legally become a 365-day stay. Now, there are some to go off the script, there are some caveats to that. Um, you can't keep doing that every year because eventually you'll get banned, but you do get a couple, a couple chances over time. I would recommend that if you have to do it, you do it once and then you apply for your E2 or when you're in the U.S. the first time, you just apply for your E2 visa or whatever visa it is that you need. When we first found that out last year, everything changed for us. We spent countless hours researching, even before hiring a lawyer, and well over $1,000 in attorney phone calls to find out half of these things I mentioned in this book. As you're nearing the end of the book, the number one thing I want for you is to feel well-informed so you don't have to spend years like we did researching and many months aimlessly drifting around the U.S. trying to figure out your next step. This is... One of those reasons I also gave you the information in the lifestyle chapter. I want you to thrive as soon as you enter the U.S. Even though you're migrating your life and business to the U.S., remember temporarily because you're a non-immigrant, you're still a foreigner in a new land and it helps to be aware of the small details you could benefit from if, if someone has gone through them already. I wish my parents had this book when they immigrated to Canada or a version of it. I'm so proud to teach you these things in this book because... You now know what kind of questions you should ask your attorney if you decide to go with one. I believe you could do it yourself. You can hire us or you can hire an attorney. Okay. I mentioned it early in this book and it's worth repeating. The reason most Canadians get discouraged from starting a new life and business in the United States is that they don't know what questions to ask an attorney. I know it sounds silly, but that's one of the main reasons. And an immigration attorney is there to answer your questions and guide you in a general direction. But business immigration, while very straightforward and supported by rules and provisions, does not account for a human's personality, lifestyle choices, and desires. If we hadn't 
made that call to the USCIS where we found out that we could extend our stay in the U.S., our lifestyle would have been compromised that year, and by default, our business progress would have been as well. But we knew where to call, what and how to ask based on what we wanted, and then we found out if the immigration rules could satisfy our criteria first. So in other words, we tested the immigration rules to see if they could live up to our lifestyle, not us to them. Okay? This is a game of giving and taking. It's a game of sacrifice, but also compromise. You are presented with criteria, and the minimum requirement for you to apply so that you can qualify for this E2 visa they're there, but you must also be able and willing to ask as many questions as you possibly can, which is why we highly recommend that you hire an immigration attorney to consult with, not to help you apply. The application part is easy. It's the consultations and the getting of the questions that's difficult. And that's what I do at the Canadian American Dream. Um, but you can also do that with an immigration attorney. Nobody realizes this, but the official E2 application instructions for what is expected of you when you apply, which you can find on the USCIS website, are two paragraphs long. And that's why you need a professional or someone who's been through it so that they can help you with the questions and and allow you to find the answers. It's fascinating how little information is available to the public on government websites. It's there technically. It's inside the, it's called the Immigration and Nationality Act, but are you going to take a 600 or 700 page book with small font and spend $300 on it and sit there and just start learning the lawyer lingo? No, you're either going to hire an immigration attorney or consult with somebody who's been through it, who understands the process who understands what to avoid and what to, what to focus on. It's really because the USCIS and the consulate, but the USCIS especially, they want you to hire and empower an attorney to handle your case, not do it by yourself. I felt like the USCIS wanted that more because you were already in the country, and that's probably because when you're in the country, and to go off the script here, when you're already in the U.S. and you're applying for for the E2, for that change of status from the B1 to the E2, even though the USCIS might, might approve your petition, you still have to go back to the consulate for your interview and interview again, right? You just, the change of status, a lot of people don't understand is that the change of status when you come to the United States and you want to go from a B1 to an E2, that just keeps you legal as, as long as you stay in the country. But the moment that you exit, your first trip should be back to Toronto at the U.S. consulate so you can do the interview and show them your USCIS approval. If there's anything unfriendly in the immigration system in the U.S., it's the way applicants who don't hire a lawyer or a professional to deal with the USCIS on their behalf are perceived. It's not a deal breaker, but you feel differently when you have to deal with the USCIS or even the consulate uh, rather than have a lawyer or a professional do it for you. As soon as we applied and started calling the USCIS to inquire about our E2 application back in 2020... We could feel how uncomfortable they were to deal with someone who was not an attorney when all of them are. But you know what? I don't care because when we dealt with the consulate, our attorney, like I said, in my opinion, he dropped the ball and I had to pick it up and score and I won us the E2 visa. So I became my own attorney and this is why I decided that I needed to move forward to build a Canadian American dream and help people like yourself also chase that dream and get to it. 
we found a second chance in the B1 extension process, and we equally found a second chance in hiring an attorney and learned from the original mistake we made when we applied by ourselves. But also, to, again, to go off the script here, the attorney for us was really beneficial because we knew what questions to ask him. I ended up doing all the work in the end anyway, and that's how we got our E2. In a similar fashion to court trials, you should not represent yourself in front of the USCIS, but you should uh, represent yourself in front of the consulate, even if you think you have an airtight case for receiving approval on that E2 application. Because when you're going from a B1 to an E2 change of status while in the U.S., there's always this perception of you that you enter the country, you trick the border officers, and now you're trying to get, get in easy and stay here forevermore, which is why they actually force you and they, they, they consider your application. They, they look at it with more of a, um, a critical eye than if you were just to apply at the consulate in Toronto. My recommendation is to follow the advice in this book and get yourself in the United States first. Then begin the process of getting to know your attorney. But before you enter the U.S., make sure that he or she or they know what you plan on doing. If you're consulting with us, make sure that you let us know what it is that you plan on doing so we can advise you better. Take advantage of that client attorney uh, privilege and confidentiality laws. When you're dealing with us here at Canadian American Dream, we have NDAs, non-disclosure agreements, so you don't have to worry about that. Once inside the U.S., when you have all the criteria and requirements met, have the lawyer help you or us with your change of status into an E-2 if that's what you want to do. But if you want to just apply from the consulate first while you're in Toronto or in Canada and just not go through the USCIS, you can do that too and we can help with that as well. But until that moment, please hear what we didn't know a year ago and that is that you have to travel 90% of the way there, including filling your extension request for an additional six months if you want to remain in the in the country so that your attorney can have enough time and his staff can prepare your E2 application packet. So the way it works with, with lawyers is you tell them that you want to work with them. They send you an agreement. You sign that. And then they ask you for, you know, $10,000. And then after you pay, then they ask you for more stuff. That's just the process. And then once you actually see that information that was submitted to the USCIS or even to the consulate, you look at that and you go, I could have done that. Okay. But you don't know the process, which is why you pay a professional that's an attorney or someone that's gone through it to do it. That's how I figured it out. You know, it wasn't really rocket science. Sometimes attorneys, they bank on the fact that people f look at them like they're these gods because they understand every single point of immigration law. And quite frankly, even though they do, everyone's situation is so different. So when I consult with people inside the Canadian American Dream program, I know exactly what questions to ask, questions that the attorney didn't ask, some of them that the attorney asked, but... I know exactly what it is that you're going to get asked at the consulate, especially. So that way you can actually know how to prepare your application so that you can file it with our assistance. Ultimately, you're the one that signs off on it anyway. The attorney or an immigration consultant like us here at Canadian American Dream can guide you in the proper proper legal direction if you tell them what you plan on doing. But aside from these legal concepts you must follow, you have to travel the road to the U.S. by yourself. You have to go to the consulate. You're the one that has to answer the questions at the interview. We can't come with you. You have to go and and drive across the border. You're the one that has to fly in. 
Okay. You're the one that has to persuade the, the border agents to be admitted in. So look inside my Canadian American dream program. I walk you through all of the things I talk about in this book and more that I did not cover here in video format and show you everything we have learned and experienced that we could not fit in this book. I even show you how to set up your business, how to operate. I show you all the nitty gritty, all the little things that you're possibly not thinking about right now. I just brain dump a whole bunch of information on you because I know you'll need to know that. And we add stuff to that every single week. So as we come to the end of the book and the end of the chapter, I wish you all the best of luck and hopefully Melissa and I will see you here on the other side sooner than later. Until then, you can reach me privately and confidentially with any questions or comments you may have at support at CanadianAmericanDream.com. That's the email, S-U-P-P-O-R-T at CanadianAmericanDream, one word, dot com. Godspeed.